huge fucking nerd. That's right, I'm a huge fucking nerd. I like lots of books and computers, cause I am a huge fucking nerd. One of a kind shades made to order by Vaporshades.com. Vaporshades designs the outer layer of the sunglasses just like a wrap on a car. They customize your sunglasses, marbling the paint. The end result is no two pair of sunglasses are alike. Yours will be completely unique to you. Check us out at Vaporshades.com. Use promo code TUTTLE for 15% off your entire order. Get ready for your daily dose of TUTTLE. Uh, the all-time greatest uh, intern slash producer we've ever had, of course, TUTTLE. TUTTLE in Florida. From the Vapor Shades Hobo Fish Camp, it's the TUTTLE Daily Podcast. No wonder nobody likes you, TUTTLE. Everything's a goddamn debate. Welcome to another edition of the Tuttle Daily Podcast. My God, this week has flown by for me, man. I've just been dealing with nonstop phone calls, one after another and another and another. But it's all going to be worth it. Not going to talk about the drama that's going on right now here at the Hobo Fish Camp because I'm doing it the right way. Things are looking up right now for us people, and and I want to apologize. I really sincerely apologize about going on and on about this stuff, but I think that's what's great about radio and podcast is talking about the personal stuff going on in your life. Make sure you check out my website, Tuttle.net. That's Tuttle with two Ds, T-U-D-D-L-E.net. If you'd like to reach out, you guys are not coming through on the voicemails. I'm telling you, people. It's all anonymous, 407-270-3044. And if you don't want to leave a voicemail, you can easily do that by going to my email. Send me an email, tuttle at gmail.com. I try to write every single person back that I can. So I ended up leaving the house early this morning because I had to be in Orlando today by 11 this morning for a couple of very important meetings. So I went there, I ended up visiting some friends while I was in town, ended up coming back through Sanford, uh, went down that creepy ass road that I told you guys about again, at least it was not in the middle of the night, but Maytown Road, that one that cuts through. And if you don't know about it and you live in Volusia County and you wanna get to Sanford International Airport, or I don't even know if it's an international, But if you ever want to get there, look up Maytown Road, especially if you're in southeast Volusia County. That road will save you so much time. But like I said, you're not going to get any cell phone signal and you do not want to break down on that road. Uh, But then after I got back, I ended up doing some stuff around here. Uh, By the way, I recorded an interview. It's going to be with uh, foodie podcaster Ashley Cheney. That's coming up uh, in the next break. But I ended up getting back, and and I've noticed this has been happening with my mom lately. Now, with everything going on, all the drama going on here, she she's been a nervous wreck. She she has like I get a lot of my nervous uh, tics from her. I I think I inherited them from her, but she likes to scratch all the time, like scratch, scratch, scratch. My mom. She has skin that is easily bruises and she just, she has bruises all over the place, bruises on her arms, her, her abdomen, her, uh, woke up. She had a goddamn black eye and no, my dad does not beat my mom anymore. There's, there's been no physical abuse in a very long time. That is just a joke. People, my dad has never hit my mom, but we do live in the South. So I ended up dropping her off at the hospital. And I got to tell you, people, a lot of you guys think, oh, everything's fine. Uh, The pandemic is not it's people are surviving. But a lot of people are not thinking about the secondary things. And I got her there today. And for one, they will not let you inside the hospital unless you're going to be a patient. So I had to drop her off. And when I get out there. They got people waiting outside. Is that what this has come to now? Because I don't even know what is wrong with my mom. But on an average day without COVID, 
She could have gotten right into the emergency room, and no, she had to sit outside like a bunch of cattle, everybody. There must have been 10, 15 people waiting outside on top of the people that were in the triage or whatever they call it, where, where you go to get checked in. So I just talked to her. They, they have her admitted. So she's in. They've done a chest x-ray, uh, drew some blood, stuff like that. So I'm actually feeling a little bit better that she is there now. And once again, I had to force her to go. My, my mom's friend, Louise, who is basically one step below a doctor, she was a nurse, could write scripts and stuff like that. And my mom's friend Louise was like, no, you have to go to the hospital. And in true my mom fashion, no, I'm good. I'm fine. I ain't going in. No, I mean, me and my dad had to tell her, no, get your ass in the PT cruiser and I'm taking you up there and you're going to get this checked out. Because she, if it was not for us making her go, she would have been sitting here. Because she's afraid, does not want to go and, and catch COVID. So a lot of you people that want to talk about uh, not a lot of people are dying from this, you got you to gotta think. Right now in the United States, we have more excess deaths, deaths that we've had in a really, really long time. So open up your mind, people. You got to think about all the other people because with these hospitals being jam-packed, stretched thin, a lot of people are collateral damage. I have talked about this before, and I think this is just horrible. I think it's disrespectful, and I think it's lazy journalism trying to attach or correlate these two like major events, because this is a major event, but I don't like it when they come up with titles like this. This is from news.trust.org. And you know what? Maybe I, maybe my expectations and my standards are too high, but news.trust.org, this is their headline. U.S. vaccine near, but deaths rising by 9-11 proportions each day. Is it just me or do you, uh, is it just me or does anybody else find that disrespectful that they're trying to compare the coronavirus, yeah, there's a lot of people dying. Yes, there is. Yes, a lot of people think that China could have done a better job, and this is just a way that China got back at us. They were like, you know, I thought about this. A lot of people were like, oh, it's man-made, it's man-made. I don't think it was man-made. I, th I think the Chinese leaders or the people in charge in China were like, hey, we got a problem in our hands right now. This is really, really going to mess us up. Why not bring down all the other people? Because if we're down, why not them be down? And I wouldn't be shocked if China would have went to a couple of their people and say, hey, you want to you want to take a vacation paid paid vacation, all expenses covered to the United States of America. And, and a lot of people were like, yeah, oh, yeah. And if they didn't want to do it, they probably like, all right, if you don't go to America, we're going to shoot you in the back of the head. And then when we do that, we're going to send your relatives a, a, a charge or a bill for the bullet that we put in your skull. But when you write stuff like a mounting U.S. death toll has tempered uh, enthusiasm about the coming COVID-19 vaccine with 9-11-like fatalities projected, that is a completely different story. Like, I know that this is a natural thing. I mean, it could have been made man-made, but who knows? But we were attacked. We were attacked. Innocent civilians were attacked by evil people. And then they also want to compare it to Pearl Harbor. 2,996 were killed in September 11th and then 2,403 in, in Pearl Harbor. We were attacked on American soil. I just think, it, I, I, I think that it is disrespectful to the lives that were lost on 9-11 and during Pearl Harbor, because that was people attacking us. But like I said, I know a lot of people think, oh, China, they sent it over here. They got us. This is how they got us. Chemical warfare. No, it, there's a lot. There's a lot different between people flying planes into buildings or attacking us uh, on warships. Yeah, it, they're, they're nothing alike. 
And I think it's just a headline, a headline that these news people that are lazy, that don't want to write a good story, but we're going to give you a headline. We're going to give you a headline and we're going to compare it to two of the darkest days in American history. Yeah, this this is very, very dark. It is. But there's a big difference than a virus and a pandemic, than terrorists flying planes in the buildings, hijacking airlines, and then seeing people jump out of the highest part of the World Trade Center because it was too hot and they didn't want to burn to death. So their only option was to jump out of a building. I mean, that that right there, those images alone, and a lot of people forget about that. A lot of people forget about those people that jumped to their deaths. The people that had to sit on the ground and watch that happen. And you're going to compare it to a natural virus. Once again, I it could have been man-made, but right now, all the leading scientists say, say that it isn't. So, yeah. There is a big, big difference. There's a big difference between a pandemic, a virus like uh, COVID-19, instead of Japan flying over here and attacking our military men. So do better, man. The media just sucks nowadays. And until we call them on it and, and expect better, this is the type of shit that they're going to keep giving us on a daily basis. Before I go to break, I wanted to talk a little bit and I wanted to dissect this next piece of audio. It's about two minutes long. And I've always talked about this. Fox News never, ever has anybody on the air. And that's the thing about it, people. You you people need to stop getting your news from social media. You got to stop getting your news from Twitter or Facebook. It's just not helping. I mean, there is so much misinformation and it's all due to social media. People get their news and they treat it like fact when they read it because none of it is really fact check. It really isn't. And for you people to take anything you hear from CNN, uh, MSNBC, Fox News, any of the 24 hour news networks. You are crazy. That is not journalism. That is not news. That is opinionated journalism at best. They control the narrative. And I don't want anybody to think, oh, well, you know, you're a liberal or you're a libtard. I hate when people, I know you're already going to lose an argument when you go to it and you call me a libtard. That's just one of those buzzwords. And, and it goes for the other side as well, too. So what I'm trying to say is it's like, do not. Watch any of these 24-hour news networks because they are just as bad as social media. But uh, Fox News had this liberal-type uh, guest. I forget how they described her, but she kind of talked about, hey, you guys have not mentioned how many people have died. And Fox News never does because why would they do it? Because the more and more they mention the death toll, the more and more it's going to hurt their president gonna hurt old number 45 and it really didn't help not talking about it and if you've noticed since trump since trump did not get reelected, fox news has kind of been distancing themselves from uh donald trump and i just wanted to break down this audio and and t and break it down so you can see it for what it really really is yeah i mean we're 43 minutes into this show and we haven't mentioned yet that 3,000 americans died yesterday more than on 9 11 all right whole bunch of stuff just happened in the first five seconds of that audio clip. Now, number one, there was a couple of things that could be going on. One being this woman had this plan the whole time. She knew that she was going to come on. She wanted to make a name for herself. Now, does she really, really like, is she behind it? Is she really, really upset about it? Probably not. I mean, I know all these pundits that come on, they want to make a name for themselves, and she did it. She did it. She was like, yes, I'm going to buck the system. I'm going to go on Fox News, and I'm going to make a statement. Now, could this have all been set up? Yeah, it could have been set up. Once again, like I talked about, they've been trying to put distance between them and Donald Trump since he lost the election. 
And this all could have been. They could have been like, you know what? People are talking. You know, hey, I, I listened to the Tuttle Daily podcast, and they were calling us out because we never have anybody on that opposes our opinion. So that's a number one. Now, this woman's argument, this woman's like, I gotcha type moment, all failed because this woman compared the coronavirus death fatalities to 9-11. She completely lost me with that statement. And every day for a while, we're going to have that many American deaths. But as we debate these regulations, we cannot lose sight of the tragedy that is unfolding every single day in this country, in large part because people want to go about life as normal, and a lot of people don't want to wear masks, even though the evidence is overwhelming that they save lives. I'm not going to paint with a broad brush because I don't like doing that. But I went out there to cover the Trump rally when he was in Sanford at the Sanford International Airport. And I got to tell you, there were a lot of people that were wearing masks. There were. But there was a good amount that was not wearing their mask. And I got to tell you, you know how many times I got called the pussy? How many times I would say, hey, man, be a real man. Why are you wearing that mask? Are you scared? Are you believing the liberal lies? Yes, I, I had that said to me. And I'm, I would love to know how many of those people that went to that rally are sick. Do, does Fox News, do they, I know Sean Hannity, that, that's the other thing that bothers me. And I, I think it's a lie. I really, really do. And I'll admit if I'm wrong, but Sean Hannity, because my dad, I, I don't want you to think that I watch Sean Hannity, but sometimes I will. I'll watch it because my dad watches it a lot. And I'll watch it because I just want to see how many times this guy's going to lie and, and, and kind of cater to the base, that right-wing, MAGA-wearing hat people. And he said, oh, every time I go to a store or like a bodega in New York, I'm wearing my mask all the time. And then right away, dad, dad, my dad, my pops got so mad at me. But I was like, dad, do you really think Sean Hannity during this pandemic, with as much money as he has, I will bet you, now, like I said, I could lose, but I'm going to say Sean Hannity does not do his own shopping. The guy has more money than anybody would know what to do with, and I guarantee you Sean Hannity is not going out to the local corner store bodega to do shopping or something. It's just not happening. Sean Hannity does not do his own shopping. Well, Los Angeles. Dagan, can I just quickly yes. say, because I, I, I feel like, Marie, you took a shot at us there. And I'll be upfront. I'm not going to make a statement like, because a lot of podcasters, radio people, people that are on social media would like to call this woman an Uncle Tom. Now, I don't know if African-American women can be Uncle Tom. So is there is that a gender like neutral type word? Does it work both ways? I'm not going to be that way. I'm not. I thought it was disgusting when Joe Biden made the comment, you're not really black if you vote for Trump. Uh, yeah, that that's pretty bad. It really, really is. Because I've met plenty of African-American people that support Republicans. It, it's just that way. A lot of people don't realize this. You know, the Democrats, the Democrats were a part of the KKK. They supported them. At one point, they did. Look it up. Look in our history. Uh, the Democrats were associated with the Ku Klux Klan. So I'm not going to be that person that's going to call her like an Uncle Tom or something because I'm not. I mean, African-Americans on Fox News, I mean, do you see a lot of them? No, you do not. But. This woman acts all offended. And the woman that made the statement, like I said, she loses a lot of backing from me because she compared COVID to 9-11. But this woman is all but hurt, talking about, oh, we, you know, I'm offended that you would say something like this. Grow up, woman. When, when, when did the news start becoming about the personality or the anchor. Once again, a, a journalist is supposed to stay neutral. It's supposed to give out the facts and report the news 
And this is only proof that this is not journalism. It's opinionated journalism. And, and maybe you felt like it was necessary. I don't know. But if you don't think that our hearts are big enough to mourn for the people whom we have lost during this pandemic, what exactly are you trying to say? See, this is where this woman, she had that I gotcha statement. She thought, oh, you guys don't mention the deaths. Why aren't you mentioning the people that died from COVID? Well, guess what? She came unprepared because she let this woman from Fox News do a just stereotypical standard heat reversal. She reversed the heat on this woman, tried to play the victim, and this woman lets her get away with it. Let her get away with it. I'm telling you right now, if I would have been and made that statement, I would have called her out. I'm like, why are you trying to make it about you? I wasn't. It, it's just it's mind blowing that this woman, I shouldn't. I wanted to say this bitch, this bitch should have called her out on it. You cannot let somebody get away with uh, an amateur style type heat reversal like this Fox News reporter did. That is offensive and it is not true. It is not true. But the best way to protect those people that we love so much is to make sure that the decisions that we make give them longevity after the pandemic as well and to get what we do right. See, this is about the point I would have broken and I would have been like, bitch, get off your high horse so I can look into your eyes as you're trying to talk down to me. Why is this woman trying to make it about her? Jesus Christ almighty. These reporters, why can we not just do a hard reboot? You know, like when you hit the power button and the volume button or whatever it is now on the iPhones and just reset it. Can we get like Thanos to come in, snap his fingers with the infinity stone and just kind of like, all the reporters we have right now, not all the reporters, but the ones like on CNN, MSNBC, Fox News, uh, C-SPAN. Why can't Thanos just come in, snap his fingers, voila, they're all gone. Let's start fresh. Based on the science, not just, oh my gosh, the numbers are ballooning. Let's just destroy everything in the process of trying to save it. You're right. We have learned a lot. It didn't just happen nine days ago. It's been months now. The scientists are teaching us, again, new stuff. Let's live by that. But please, keep your judgment someplace where you know you can fact check it because you can't see my heart. And trust me when I tell you, it hurts all of us to lose those Americans. You know what? I think I might have just wasted a bunch of time playing this because listening to that last little bit of part of that, it sounded like she was reading off of a teleprompter. This whole thing most likely was set up it was set up. Hey, what can we do? What can we do? Oh, people, people think we, we only have people on that agree with us. Yeah, let's do it. Then let's say, oh, we get the Fox News woman, which is an African-American woman, and we will get her. We'll get her to act like she's offended. How could you say that about Fox News? Yeah, it. she was reading off of a teleprompter. It was da, 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 da. When you're speaking from the heart, you're all over the place. Because if not, this bitch has ice in her veins. Be back in a few minutes. You are listening to the Tuttle Daily Podcast. He's a nerd. I've only been arrested one time. A radio personality. Professionally, I'm not in the best position that I've ever been in. And hot talk satirizer. You would think with everything that's going on, a Caucasian like myself wouldn't be able to randomly talk to an African-American or a minority. You're listening to the Tuttle Daily Podcast. Have you considered owning your own restaurant franchise? Good Life Organics currently offers territories across the United States. Check out GLO Franchising. That's GLO Franchising on Facebook to sign up for an overview session today. Good Life Organics Franchising, a new partner of the Tuttle Daily Podcast. Tell them Tuttle sent you. Send them a message on Facebook at facebook.com slash GLO Franchising. Welcome back to the Tuttle Daily Podcast, guys. Um, I feel very, very unprofessional right now because I'm sitting in my 
my car at the moment and I got this big, big personality on right now. So I, I look very unprofessional right now, but on the line with me right now is Ashley Cheney. And did I get the name right? Cheney? Okay. Now, Ashley, um, before we get started, tell people a little bit about yourself, uh, where they can check out your podcast and, and just a little bit about what you done throughout your career because i was reading through and 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 i i want to know what this special project uh or or are you just teasing us a little bit because you say you're working on a a special top secret project right now for warner brothers i think oh you know you're actually reading an outdated bio thank you for the update (laughs) but the project has been announced i was on a on a special project at warner brothers but i'm i have left warner brothers which kind of all ties into my story so i will I will give you the full deal, um, which is that I have worked uh, in TV and film production for as long as I can remember, honestly, since I was 17. So coming up on two decades and um, always starting with sort of on the production side, very production facing and largely working on animated TV and movies for all kinds of robot chicken, by the way, too. I I want to talk a little bit about that as well, too, because. I watch that stuff and and Robot Chicken is one of those shows that everybody in their younger years coming home drunk or or hung over or something. Oh my God, Robot Chicken's on and stuff. And and I want to talk a little bit about that. Uh, so, because uh, that was the first thing it popped, uh, popped and caught my interest as soon as I read that. Oh, okay. Yeah, I didn't work production on Robot Chicken, but I did. It was while working. I did. I was a voice. I'm a voice actor. So I, I would you, who do, what did you voice? What, what character did you voice? Um, there's a couple, many, many different characters. Cause with all SAG commercials, you or SAG uh, contracts, you can do up to three voices. So I did three different voices. I was Supergirl. I was a party goer. I, I don't, I can't even remember all the voices that I did. They have a lot of different, um, you know, kind of bit characters. So I played a couple mm-hmm. of bit characters, but Supergirl is probably the, the one that I would. Now, when you, go into, when you go to in, into voice something like this, do they already have the video done for you or or is somebody having to tell you, you know, the scene? Because it, it's got to make it a little bit more difficult when you're not able to see what's going on, correct? Uh, no, that's that's the beauty of actors' imaginations. They tell you the scene and you get to bring it to life in a really great way, unless you're doing like an ADR session where you have to match for timing. Um, but for Robot Chicken, no, it was just you get the script, you read, you read what's happening in the scene, and then, you know, they have incredible directors, um, including Seth Green, who will will walk you through the scene and and tell you how they, you know, they hold the vision. They they'll tell you how they want it to, to sound. All right. So this this project that you're working on is is the food related podcast. Tell people about that. Yeah. So Dear Food is my podcast, which is all all about food. Um, I'm a food lover. It's like my favorite thing in the world to talk about. And so, you know, when I left Warner Brothers, I really had to get honest with myself that instead of production, I really wanted to do more something that was more people facing, but still great storytelling. So the podcast has sort of been born of that, but it it also tied into all this hosting experience, red carpet hosting experience that I'd had. And um, just I sort of have this love for conversation and this skill. And so marrying that skill and all my years of production with um you know my my voiceover talent and and my love for food and and dear food was born i i i really really appreciate with the red carpet interviews that you guys do because uh through all my years in radio i was the man on the street guy i'd have to go out and cover events and stuff and and sometimes when you first start out it can be a little intimidating but i i've always been able to look at it and see that my confidence grows more and more and more and you can't be afraid like has there been when you're doing the red carpet stuff was there like the first time you had to get out there and maybe interview maybe one of your your first big time celebrities was that a little nerve-wracking the first time oh yeah i mean i think the first time you do any job for the first time it's nerve-wracking and then yeah of course you add a level of celebrities can seem like sort of untouchable even though definitely they're all just humans and in fact nervous themselves but i think the first carpet i ever did uh was was a comedy uh a comedy tour and i remember feeling really nervous because as you probably know from going to cover some of these events you don't always know a lot about the people or who's going to be there and sometimes they surprise you 
Yeah. See, that that's that's the crazy thing about it. Like here, um, Caitlin, uh, do you know the name Caitlin Bennett? Uh, she I was out covering a Trump uh, rally and and I was like I was going after her and she she came after me and started asking a bunch of questions, trying to reverse the roles and stuff. And I didn't even know who she was until a whole bunch of my listeners and supporters were like, oh, my God, Caitlin Bennett. Uh, she was interviewing her and she's like this big right wing, like uh, conservative type person. And they were like, yeah, you made her podcast. And I was wondering why I was picking up all these followers and stuff. But I was kicking myself in the ass because I was like, my God, I wish I would have known who she was because I would have went after her a little bit more. Yeah, it's tough. It's tough. I mean, and and that's when you can only fall back on sort of your natural conversation skills. And sometimes that also can lead to a great interview when you don't know something about a person and you get to you know, talk to them as if you didn't like maybe they are yes. a huge personality and you don't you don't you don't know that. So it gets to, it brings a whole different dynamic to the conversation. I agree with you 100 percent. One of the first radio shows that I worked on, I got in trouble because, you know, I thought, oh, we had a guest coming in. And during the commercial break, I brought the guest in and they were like, never, ever do that because we want the initial meeting to be oh. done on the air because, you know, like we were all professionals, but you can never reenact that first meeting. Like, you, do you understand what I'm saying? Like, you want to yeah. get that first, hey, how are you? That handshake back when you could handshake before this uh, pandemic <laughs> and stuff. But but I learned that and it, and it makes sense, though. Sure. Yeah, no, totally. There's always a, there's a little bit of that um, just authenticity that that happens right there in the moment. It's It's actually kind of nerve-wracking because like as a, if you're on a red carpet for example you have like three seconds to immediately form a bond with somebody and get like a, a trusted rapport to have a good conversation that other people will be interested in, in listening to as well it's like you have to do it so fast are you wearing an earpiece like in having a producer talk to you or or uh, or do you have a field producer there kind of like all right here comes such and such you got to be ready no, it's not a field producer. Um, that may be the case for some of like like the ETs. Sometimes they their producers will be there with them. Very rarely through IFB, unless it's a big award show. Um, but for the most part, it's just you and your camera person, and the people that are giving you the information about like who's coming down the carpet are the PR are the PR teams. So, um, oh, so you know, they're people. Yeah, so they're usually all dressed in black. You can spot them right away. They're the ones that are giving you the tap on the shoulder, like to wrap it up. And sometimes they'll give you an actual tip sheet, like, hey, here's who's going to be here. Here's what it's called a face sheet. They'll, they'll match the face with the name and tell you, like, what you should know about this person. Because, I mean, it's just impossible to know every single show that's out there. And, every you know, it's way too much information to know. So those tip sheets are critical. But you have to fall back on, like, you know, if you don't know this person, how are you going to carry on an engaging conversation with them? On with me right now is Ashley Cheney. Uh, she's got a great new podcast out right now. And I want to get back to that. Um, what I mean, everybody says that they love food. People say they love to talk about food. Um, I want to get a little bit of a background. Where where are you from in, in the United States? Because I think food is a regional type thing as well too and and you can get a you can kind of get a good idea of what type of food choices and stuff they like from what region they're from so what area of the united states are you from absolutely i agree with you that food is is certainly regional and also that it tells you so much about a person mm -hmm. um and that's why that's part of the reason why I love talking about it so much is because I think it's actually the best way to get to know someone so much mm -hmm. so that on those red carpets, if I screwed up and I didn't have anything to talk about, the thing that I could always ask somebody about was food. And I would always so get back, a great you, interview. You you have that question. I always do that when I go out. I was like, all right, you got to have that one question that you can go to where if you're kind of like a little bit lost or something, you know, because it happens to the best of people uh, pretty oh, much yeah. all the time. Yeah. Amen. Yeah. That was definitely my back pocket question. Um, but to answer your question, I'm from Virginia. So I, I went to kind of a specialty high school for mass communications out in Chesterfield, Virginia. Doubt you've ever heard of it, but if you have bonus points. Um, <laughs> and, uh, you know, I always had heart and mind set on moving out West and making it in Hollywood. And at the time I wanted to be a, you know, a famous actress and sometimes I still do, but mostly no. Um, so the day I graduated high school, the very day I graduated high school, I uh, hopped on a plane and, and moved out to California. I mean, that. Wow, day. that's that's that takes a lot of guts. So it, it really, yes. really does. Now, Virginia, 
what a lot of states are known for their food. Mm-hmm. What is Virginia? Like, what is Virginia known for? Because, yeah. like, I'm a big NASCAR fan, and, you know, they have Martinsville, Virginia, mm-hmm. up there all the time, and they're known for their hot dogs. Everybody goes to the race for their hot dogs. Uh, what is Virginia known for, known for? Well, okay, so you're talking about regional. There's a lot of different regions even within Virginia. Uh, so where I grew up at Chesterfield, there's a, this is going to sound wild, but first of all, kind of blanket statement. I think when you think of Virginia, you really think of comfort food. And so in the, in the vein of soul food, yes, sometimes there's a lot of fried stuff that's happening. Um, but really we're not looking for healthy foods out in Virginia. It's really all about, you know, comfort food. So I think of people in Virginia work, people in Virginia, (laughs) they work so they can, they can burn off those calories. Calories. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying other places don't work, but I mean, when you think of Virginia, you think of that hardworking blue, blue, blue collar type person. Yeah. I mean, again, there's all, all different regions of Virginia, but certainly, um, you know, my first thoughts go to um, grits because I I've, haven't been able to find grits since I've left Virginia, unless it's at some, I think maybe like a history type place. Yeah. I love grits. Um, and then also where I'm from, there's in Chesterfield, there's a, a grocery store that's actually been sold, but at the time it was called Ucroft. And this is like instant street cred with anybody from Chesterfield. If you say, oh my God, I love Ucroft's fried chicken or their rainbow cookies. You are like, you are in the club. Yeah. They're known for their grits, a lot of fried foods and stuff like that. But like, I'm trying to think because Florida is a weird area where I'm living at uh, because a lot of people from all over the country move here. So it's like a mixed bag of all types of stuff. Now, have you ever been to Orlando before, uh, Central Florida? Yeah, I've been to Orlando. Yeah, it's been a while. I mean, and gosh, if you want to talk about regional, Florida is a big state and you've got all kinds of influence depending on where you are. Like the further south you go, you've got some Cuban Latin influence and all that good stuff. What what's kind of the jam the jam where well, you are? Well, I mean, a lot of it is here. You know, um, what what is big down here? I'm trying to. Well, I we were talking about hot dogs earlier. There are so many like those heritage restaurants. Um, now, do you talk about the restaurant areas much uh, when, during your food podcast? Yeah, it depends. And so sometimes it depends on who the guest is and and where we're going. But um, I love having on either restaurant owners or chefs because it's such mm. a unique perspective and and everybody uh you know brings their like let's say if one person has a soul food restaurant their dishes are going to be different from another so it's always uh it's always a unique sort of experience with with each guest to be honest barbecue barbecue is mm-hmm. huge here barbecue is really really big um uh, and barbecue we has were... like its own its own subsets. Mm-hmm. I mean, do you know how many types of barbecue there are? It's insane. We had a, I had a guest on the show that was all about Santa Maria style barbecue, which is specific. Oh, what is that? It's a very specific style barbecue um, localized to the central coast of California. And it was uh, created by the Rancheros. And we had on this woman who's like a food expert of the region. And she told us all mm-hmm. about, um, you know, what what makes Santa Maria style barbecue what mm-hmm. it is. And it's it's sort of both cultural in that the way you eat it is this very um, sort of fiesta style. You get a big group of people together over a large spit, but really it's a dry rubbed tri-tip and it's a cut mm-hmm. of it's the cut of the, of the meat um, that is served with salsa and beans and coffee. It's like a very specific sort of way that the, the barbecue is served. That's really, it's just cool. And I mean, every, you know, then you get into Louisiana style and Texas style and South Carolina and North Carolina. There's just so many different subsets within barbecue. There is this um, restaurant in Tampa because I've, I've, I started working in Daytona Beach, then I moved to Orlando and then I moved over to Tampa. I am a sucker for restaurants that have food challenges. Oh. Uh, I, I don't know, like, all right, they they got this one place. It's uh, called Natalia's. It's like a um, it, it's like an Asian like Spanish type mixture. But they have this soup that is supposed to be like the hottest soup. They and and if you eat the whole bowl of soup in in like an hour, you get it for free. And, and everybody goes there. They're like, yeah, I ate the I ate the food challenge at Natalia's. I I I do like that, but I also think that a lot of restaurants hide behind gimmicks and stuff like that too. Hmm. Yeah, that's interesting. But here we are talking about it, so it must be worth <laughs> <laughs> I, 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 I guess that it is. Now, um, are there any things when, when you're talking about 
on your food podcast uh, because I think food also relates to family. Oh I my think, god, it's I, essential. Yeah, it's essential. Are there are, are there any things because I think especially even more true when it comes to southern men like myself, they they have their favorite dish that their mom used to make or or the family used to make. Do you have one of those uh growing up like you remember like that was my favorite thing and and I'm going to pass it on and and teach as many people as I can because it's almost like an honor to pass on a recipe. Yeah, I know a lot of people hold their recipes guarded sometimes, but I think a person can live on through food, you know, something that Absolutely. they were known for. Yeah, I think not just a person, I think culture at large is so tied into food and and that's the way that we preserve culture. And specifically, I mean, that's what storytelling all is, is is sort of passing down legends and in this case, you know, it's it's a it's a way to connect a family through a particular dish but also just to stay connected to that member of your family food also has this really incredible element of actually bringing people together i mean sometimes mm -hmm. the only times that families get together are around mealtime i mean you know we're all living busy lives and out running around and so that's this place that we get to come together um and share food together but also like to come together so i think food's really powerful in that regard i did not grow up with um you know, my household dynamic was a little kind of weird. So I didn't, I personally didn't have like a recipe that my mom or dad created that I can't wait to pass on. Um, mm. But I, I now have a recipe of my own that I've perfected and that my boyfriend and his family want me to make every holiday that I oh, What is that? It's well, I mean, you don't have to tell me the recipe, but I mean. Oh, well, I, I couldn't because it's, it's a long one, but it's, it's cinnamon rolls and they're, they're like oh. the best gooeyest, um, better than cinnamon. But than what are you doing? Rolls. What are you doing differently, though? Can you can you give me a little bit of a hand? Like I will share the secret recipe. The secret the okay. secret sauce is actually mm -hmm. uh, heavy cream, and it's oh. uh, when you proof when you proof the buns for the second time that the the the, the rolls mm -hmm. have to go through a double proof. So they they proof twice basically. They proof before you slice them, and then you put them in the uh, in the pan as they look like cinnamon rolls, and then they proof again, meaning that they get double in size. After that second proof, before you put them in the oven, you pour um heavy cream like about a cup of heavy cream all over oh. cinnamon rolls and then you bake them in the heavy cream and they come out that's that's the secret sauce to make your cinnamon rolls so moist and delicious and gooey and everything that you want out of a cinnamon roll so, that's so are you a big carnivore like are, are, i mean do you do you do you like steak and stuff like that i'm a big everything of or i love all <laughs> so now yeah. Yeah. I, I the reason i ask the reason i ask is I've been seeing a lot of this stuff and and I, I go on TikTok a lot to see food like there are some really, really good, like, you know, amateur people out oh, there yeah. on TikTok that that have some great accounts. And and TikTok I learn a lot. Mm -hmm. We've had two TikTok, I, TikTok chefs on the show, actually. Yeah. Yeah. I learned how to make a Sprite pie the other day. Yum, off, I saw the Sprite pie yeah, TikTok. Yeah. And, and, <laughs> and I wanted to try it so badly. But, you know, it's like little things like that, you know. A lot of us, you know, do, do you think sometimes people can become food snobs, like, you know, people that are into food, like, oh, I would never get caught dead eating a Sprite pie, but I got to tell you, I, I wanted to try it. Like, I wanted to, I, you know what? I Did you want make it? to try that. I No, not yet. I have not, but I have it all written down. And, and then I learned, you know how you can buy those, um, like, little mixed things where you can make a a mini cake in a cup or something you put mm -hmm. in the microwave. Well, I, I saw one where you smash Oreo cookies mm -hmm. down in the bottom. You, you probably saw the same one too. And, <laughs> and I tried it and, and it was amazing. I was like, hell yeah, this is some white trash food, but I really, really liked it. I love it. Well, you're so right that, um, that food has this, this kind of tendency to attract like a snobby sort of, um, you know, air to it. Like even the fact that I'm hosting a food podcast. The number of people that have been like, well, what do you know about food? I freaking eat food and I love it. And that's what I know about food. And I want to keep it that way. I don't want to exclude anybody because they didn't go to culinary school or because they don't know what a foie gras is or whatever, because that's like, that is, I think the antithesis of what food is meant to do, which is to bring people across all cultures together. Um, so I really kind of bristle against food snobs of any type because you're limiting yourself. Some of the best tasting food is, yeah, like this like, non-fancy 
just rooted in reusing ingredients from around the kitchen, true soul food essence that tastes the best. So get out of here with your snobbiness because I just want to eat great food and most importantly, come together with people around that food. So, um, yes, I was a long way to answer. <laughs> have you, with, with the pandemic going on right now, uh, a lot of people are struggling uh, you know, either getting laid off or furloughed or, or whatever it may be. Uh, have you done an episode yet? Maybe, I mean, if you want to steal the idea, I'm sure you already have, but talking about how to stretch your food, like leftovers and using all the different like things. Cause I think a lot of people like throw away stuff that they could be using for other things. Like, I don't think a lot of people realize this and, and I've been starting to do it. Uh, when, when I buy carrots, I'm, buy carrots from the produce stuff, people throw away the tops. And, and I try to tell them, you know, you can use those tops. There's so many vitamins and great things in the carrot tops. You can make a pesto out of it. You can do a lot of stuff. I just think, you know, I think a show where, you know, tips and tricks on, on how, you know, to, you know, keep leftovers, you know, a lot of people don't realize how to keep things preserved because, I, I talked about this on my show. What's the longest you've ever gone eating Thanksgiving Day leftovers? Like, mm. I've I, I've done almost six days later after Thanksgiving and eaten some leftovers. Well, if you're talking about putting stuff in the freezer, I mean, we're talking sometimes by Christmas we're still having leftover something that's been frozen. I'm a big it, proponent of freezing. I freeze everything. Like even my bread, I put in the freezer every single day, um, so that it doesn't ever go to waste. Um, I haven't had a specific episode dedicated to how to make your food last longer, but I did have or, uh, this incredible home chef who knows all about like how to take a roast chicken and make it into like four different meals, including using the carcass like and everything for a soup. And yeah, exactly. So she was, she was really wonderful, but not a specific episode. So maybe you'll be on my guest and tell me what to do <laughs> with uh, those carrot tops. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. I mean, I just been learning more and more because like I, I have uh, been starting to eat healthier and. And I think people, I think people, because I, I, I never was like heavy, but I was around uh, almost 200 pounds and I'm now I'm below 170 right now and I've been eating healthy. Do you think that when people look at dieting, they think, oh, well, the food's going to be horrible. That, I think that is a misnomer that because there are so many great healthy things out there to eat. Yeah, absolutely. I think the most important thing, and I would say this to, to anybody having worked myself in the fitness industry and now producing a food podcast, it's really about finding the balance that feels right to you. Um, and that means sometimes indulging in the Sprite pies and the delicious things that make your soul feel good. And then also really finding a way to make the healthy foods that we know and love and that are nutritious for us like whole foods that you find your, your vegetables, you know, your, your non-processed foods and making them taste delicious. Um, but a guest that I had maybe two weeks ago, uh, Molly Ritter is she, she perfectly described that even this, she took a pancake recipe and told us how we can make it so much more healthy. Like, did you know you can blend spinach into your pancakes that you will never taste it, but it adds so much more nutrition and it mm. tastes amazing. I didn't know that. So there's a lot of, I think if you can find the ways to make, um, it, it, it kind of exactly what you said, healthy food tastes really good. Uh, it's, it's quite easy to do. And, um, and then just my only caveat after having been burned by the fitness industry is like, don't go, uh, you know, overboard with it. Like feed your soul too the things that make you happy mm. and, and feel good. And, you know, it's the holidays. I'm going to eat some crappy stuff because yes, around and I love it. Yeah. Um, do you feel, because I I've also talked about this as well too. Um, you, you, you look at, people that are not as fortunate as others. And I've talked about it. It is actually, or, or am I wrong? Are people not looking in the right places? Is it more expensive to eat healthier? Because like you can drive down all these fast food places, just like I got a cheeseburger. I got this junior bacon cheeseburger for like a buck 25. And I'm like, okay, I can see why people get lured, lured into that, that trap of, all right, it's cheaper to eat unhealthy. Well, if you actually broke it down, and I'm not here to, to tell you how to live your life, but if you actually broke no, it I'm down. No, I'm not saying that. Yeah, I mean, yes, one meal that you got, one hamburger was a dollar something, mm. right? But first of all, that's not a whole meal. And second no. of all, um, it's only one. But if you went to the grocery store for $10 even, 
And let's say you bought a whole chicken. And by the way, a great way to save some money is to, you don't always have to buy organic. If it's like, if it's not, there's some foods like maybe your strawberries, if you're going to buy strawberries should be organic, but you're not going to die if you don't eat organic everything. Is that That's a racket a though? Is, is the whole organic thing, is, is that a little bit of a racket? Like I think it's totally a racket for a, for a lot of foods, foods that have a protective covering on them, your avocados, your um, bananas, your things that come in a case, you don't need to be buying organic. There are, there is some truth to like very porous foods having chemicals on them. So for example, strawberries, anything that you're like really eating the skin and that has like pores that it's easy for stuff to get into mm. that, you know, if, if you, if it's in your budget and you can find them, then organic is a great choice, but also, you know, unless you're eating a pound of strawberries every day, you know, you're not going to, you're not going to die not going to kill you. So I, I love to tell people that's a great way to, and we've had some guests on the show, um, back me up on that. That's a great way to cut costs. But what I was saying is you could, if you, if you planned out appropriately and let's say you only had $20 for groceries, you could actually get like five or six meals out of that. If you kind of prepped ahead of time and planned it, which I think, you know, is a big thing that people get, get kind of, um, stuck on because we forget to plan. And then what you end up paying for is convenience or something that that's right away that you can have because you're hungry and you need something. And, and it's, you know, cheap in the moment. Um, and sometimes it is, sometimes that is the best option to grab a burger, to grab a whatever. Uh, but I think if you really stacked it up long-term, um, you could definitely at least at the same price, make more nutritious meals at home, particularly if you avoid some of the organic stuff. All right. This might be a, uh, very morning zoo radio type question, <laughs> but maybe you've already had them on. Uh, if you could have one celebrity chef on your podcast, to interview. Chrissy Teigen. Chrissy Teigen. Chrissy Teigen. Chrissy Teigen. Yeah. Yes. Really? Oh, yeah. I didn't I know. Love... She, so she is. So you would consider her a celebrity chef then? Absolutely. Like, you know? I absolutely do. And I and, and again, this goes to my credence of like, she has gone to culinary school, though she's not a, uh, I, I don't know that she's a technically a chef because I don't think she's, grad, you know, I don't know. I don't know what the mm -hmm. rankings are, but that's the she doesn't have like her. three or four Michelin stars or something. And I don't like want, that. I wouldn't want it any other way. No, she doesn't. And yet she makes, I have all of her cookbooks. I have made the most delicious things from her cookbooks. She's real as real can be. Um, she's a strong woman. She has like this wonderful influence from her mom. You know, she really brings her family into the kitchen. She loves it. She is for sure the dream guest, Chrissy Teigen, hands down. Now, is there a celebrity chef you really can't stand that you're like, oh, I would love to, to ask that person questions? Because this guy is a joke or this woman, you know, I, I, you don't have to answer if you don't want to, but I wouldn't be doing my job as an interviewer if I didn't like maybe ask you like if there's one that you're like, oh, I would love to be one on one in a room with to ask some hard hitting questions. No, I mean, the, the short answer is like, no, there's nobody that I have utter disdain for. And I certainly wouldn't even want to go toe to toe with a chef because I'm not I don't want to be toe to toe with somebody who's judging me. I'm I'm very much a home cook. I'm here for the home cooks. I'm here for the food lovers like Gordon Ramsay. You wouldn't want to like, you know, get into a I'd little, love to meet you know. Gordon Ramsay. But oh, no, I, I love him. I actually think that he has a bad rap. I think he really, really cares about people. Oh. So I, I would love him. What I will say is I don't necessarily love the format of those shows because mm. I think they just pit people against each other and try to bring out the worst in people. And that's what I hate because there's such a perfect example is Great British Baking Show is a Oh, my mom has started watching that. Oh, it's my God. The best. It's the best. Mm. It feels so good for the soul. We can learn a lot. We get to see these great chefs cook. And there's none of this like dog eat dog, terrible negativity, like toxicity running through it. It's everything so positive. And it is still totally compelling. So you can actually make great quality entertainment. It isn't everybody just being terrible and toxic to each other. So that's my only beef with Gordon Ramsay is that I wish that we could lean away from those types of shows. But though, if you look deep down, like, for example, he's been doing a lot of stuff on TikTok. The guy is a family man, though. He's, he's oh, yeah. a little bit of a he's a little bit of a softy. Oh, he's a total you know, softy. Yeah. He's you know, but. But I mean, from your from your like working in the industry and, and, and food and stuff, is that just the way chefs are when they're in that domain, when they're in that kitchen, they have that killer instinct and, and it, it's their name on the line. And when somebody is messing up, you know, like. I think the reason that chefs have that quote unquote killer instinct is because it is if you've ever worked in a kitchen. It is really hard work. You are literally spinning 
50 plates at a time of dishes rotating in and out. So that chef, that head chef is actually beyond just being a chef or a cook. He's actually running a whole team of people that, that literally seconds can change the, the outcome of a dish. So it's a very, you have to have a strong personality to be able to be confident enough to lead that kind of team with those kind of stakes. And I mean, I don't mean stakes is like hamburgers. Oh, I, I got mean, it. Yo, she, you threw a steaks. pun in there. Yeah, you threw a pun in there. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's tough because, you know, these, especially if it's a high end restaurant where it's expensive, I mean, there's like money on the line and, you know, you know, those people have high expectations and, um, so it's a really high pressure job. And I think it takes that type of personality to excel in that position, which I think is why you see a lot of, um, bristly chefs. I get a lot of hate and this will be the last question. Um, I get a lot of hate from my supporters and listeners because I have this debate where deep dish pizza is not pizza. It's not pizza. It's lasagna. Well, tell your haters to come at me too, because I'm with you hands down. I don't want a piece of bread with a little bit of sauce and meat on top. I want a piece of pizza. I want thin crust that I can fold. I want the gooey stretchy cheese and I want a lot of sauce. So I am with you. Hands down, bring on the haters. I'll take them. Pine, take them. Pineapple on pizza? That's a, that's another pizza question. I, that's a, I don't that's like a go it. for me. I love it. I love savory. Oh, I love man. It. Any chance that you can mix savory sweet for me? I mean, it's the components. It's the fat, salt, acid, heat that make a, a dynamic dish, a dynamic flavor profile in your mouth. And I'm here for it. So any chance I, that I can mix savory sweet, I'm there. I love that sweet and salty though. Like I will, I will. Yeah. But no, no pineapple on pizza then? That's no, 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 no. Mm. Like, I mean, I, I go for the Supreme, but I, I mean, it's just like pineapple. It's like, I've tried it before, but it's, it's not my, my jam though. Uh, you know what I had for the first time a couple of years ago? I know I said last question, dim sum. Oh, yum. I had never. I had never tried it before and, and I like it. I like the, well, I, I'm also, like I said, I'm a gimmick type guy. You know how I said, I like food challenges. I just like being able to buy tiny portions off of a, a moving cart. Mm-hmm, it's mm-hmm. just, I love it. We have, I mean, I'm very fortunate because California has obviously tremendous diversity in our food scene, but I am like an hour away from the best, like little Asia, this, the area that's called the San Gabriel Valley, where it's the best dim sum ever. It's where Din Tai Fung, which is a huge, famous uh, dumpling house, actually originated um, in the in the San Gabriel Valley. So we will like venture out, not these days, but we used to venture out to San Gabriel Valley and just like go to town on the dim sum houses. So I, I, our experience out here is probably a bit different from what you had in Florida. I don't even know how yeah. you found a good dim sum spot. But we, we, we have a very big Asian community, though, and uh, around the Orlando area. Um, and also, you know, seafood is a big deal here in the mm. state of Florida. Uh, have you ever had a low country boil? No, no. Tell me what that is. OK, so so it's basically a little bit of everything. So um, it's that obey those seasoning packs, the crab boil you put in there. Oh, um, yeah. But it's got, got it's it got. Yeah, it's got crab legs, shrimp, uh, clams uh, and and it's all uh, every type of seafood you could get in there. OK, but then you put corn. Uh, you put carrots, red potatoes, okay. onions. All okay. right. So you just so call like it something different. We we just yeah. call it a crab boil, but you called it okay. a low, low country boil. We just call it a crab but, boil. But here, here, you know how your cinnamon rolls have the secret ingredient? What is it? What's so, okay. So when you're doing your next crab boil, okay, boil a dozen eggs, okay? Boil oh, the dozen oh, eggs, yeah. peel them, and then about when you got about 15, 20 minutes left, you put the hard boiled eggs in the pot. It sucks um, up every single flavor. So you're eating an egg. I don't know if you're if you like hard boiled eggs, but <laughs> yeah, you eat that and you're getting the crab. You're getting infused the clam. flavor. Oh, yes, you're getting you're getting every single thing in it. And uh, my buddy uh, Kevin, that that I started as an intern with, he he gave me that idea. And everybody thinks I'm crazy when I say that, but that egg soaks up every bit of the flavor in that pot. Here's my hot. Hot take with eggs. I love that it's a secret tip for the crab boil. That's fantastic. Mm. You, name a food that an egg doesn't belong on. Like I will put an egg on a pizza and it is yes. so good. I mean, think mm-hmm. about what, what doesn't make an egg on a Subway sandwich? Bomb. Like wh- yes. egg on a hamburger. Delicious. What does an egg not belong on? So anything, anything goes, put an egg on a waffle, put an egg on a, you know, there's nothing that a ha- that an egg doesn't belong in, in my opinion. 
<laughs> we, we, I, if you ever come to Florida again, and I, you probably, have you ever heard of Publix? Oh yeah, of course. Okay. The public sub, you got to go get the public sub. Um, right that. now, everybody's, this is how big that public subs are, uh, in the state of Florida. The news was covering it. They <laughs> got the, they got the chicken tender public sub on sale for five fifty right now. And why is that newsworthy? But that just shows you how popular the public sub is. And it also shows you that they have a great PR team, but yum, yeah. that sounds very good. Yeah. Okay. <clears throat> Noted. Public. All sub. right. Ashley, tell people once again how they can find out and check out all your stuff, your website, your podcast. Yeah. So if you want to just find out about me and any of the the kind of either voice acting or or Hollywood reporting that I'm doing, I'm at ashleycheney.com. If you want to listen to the podcast, which I hope you will, because it's all kinds of food conversation, just like we mm -hmm. had, that's Dear Food Podcast. And you can find that on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you listen to your podcasts. We're also on Instagram at Dear Food Podcast. Uh, and it's a good time. All, all things food. Well, Ashley, I, I sincerely apologize for being unprofessional today and having to do it in my car. Um, just circumstances came up. And I think I that makes you more of a professional that you still went on with the show, as they say. The show must yes. go on. And you did it. And Ashley, I would love to have you on any time. And if you ever need me to do anything, if you have, oh, you know what? We have a lot of, well, not this year, because if you ever need me to be a man on the street for you, we have our festival season here. Like they have Pie Fest. They have every single, they have every single fest you could think of around here. Uh, and I, I should start going out there and, and covering some of those events for you and, 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 and sending yes. them to you. Because I, I've been going out there. There's so many of these like festivals here because you get such a mixture of mm -hmm. all the different like cultures and stuff here in the state of Florida. Oh, well, hey, I love it. And uh, as soon as the world opens up again, we're going to all the festivals. I would just love to have you be the man on the street. That would be such an honor. See, I can sit here and talk to you for favorite fair food. Last question. I promise fair food. If you're eating fair food, what is your it's funnel cake. It's funnel cake. Obviously. Oh, yeah. Oh, my God. I love funnel cake. It's just fried dough with sugar. What's not to love? I mean, funnel cake is, uh, is ultimate fair food. But what what is your you bring up fry stuff? See, I keep lying all the time. Uh, fry stuff. Uh, what is the weirdest fried thing you've ever eaten at the fair, though? Because they, they seems like they're doing whole sticks of butter mm -hmm. at the fair. Yeah, and I, I've never been down for, for that. No. Yeah, that's not for me. I mean, I will try anything. Literally, I will try anything fried um, anything, period. But I think the weirdest thing, I don't know that I can say. I mean, it's not even weird, but I, I just. I just actually made a fried cheese ball, like an actual oh, ball yeah. of cheese breaded and deep fried. And it was delicious. I wouldn't say it was weird. I think it's just funness. I mean, there's fried Oreos, fried tween. I don't think that a fried Oreo does much for the Oreo, I got to say. Um, but nothing, nothing strikes me as weird. <laughs> what, but what is the weirdest thing that you've ever eaten where you were like, oh, I would never yeah. try that? Because we have a listener when I was working in Tampa in Iceland, he sent me fermented fish it was shark or whatever and they it was packed on dry ice i tried it wasn't the biggest fan but that was like one of the weirdest things i've ever eaten yeah so i went when i uh graduated college i went with um, some very good friends of mine we worked at a chinese restaurant together and they were half chinese half vietnamese and they took me to visit their family in vietnam and so of course obviously i want to try every food that that's available to me um, and I tried a lot of foods that were, some were fantastic and some were not my favorite. That's why Andrew Zimmerman show was so good. Everybody loved that Andrew Zimmerman. Uh, he was the one that did all the weird stuff, didn't he? Uh, yes. Yeah. It was our foods with Andrew Zimmerman. Yeah. Mm. Um, and he, this was probably on his show before, but it's, it's called the, um, Balut, which is like, a, oh yeah. The eggs, the chicken. Yeah. yeah. The, yeah, yeah, Got yeah. The no, never done that. It would, that was really, that was probably the hardest thing for me. Cause it's got, you know, it's like for people that don't know, balut is the, is the, the chicken has started to form in the egg. So like you might get little bits of the beak or a little okay, bit. Okay. See, yeah. I was about to ask that. Yeah. I am a big texture eater. You know, oh, a lot yeah. of people think, <laughs> a lot of people think that it, it, that food is about taste and smell, but I don't think, I think people underestimate texture when it comes to food. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, texture is huge. Texture is huge. And and also just we we eat with our our eyes and our minds so much more than our mouths. So yeah, the the thought that you're eating a little half developed baby chicken was pretty pretty rough on me. And uh yeah. but it was it's a delicacy for 
for, for, uh, lots of people there. So it was, um, I was grateful to try it and, uh, and now I've tried it and I never need to eat it again. Yeah. Ashley, thank you for coming on the show. Uh, check her out, Ashley Cheney. Thank you again. And hopefully we can do this again. And I'm serious. I'm going to, I'm going to cover random festivals and I'm just going to send them to you and see if you want to wait. I can't wait. I'm I'm here for it. Thank you so much for having me on the show. From the Vapor Shades Hobo Fish Camp. Man, maybe I would have way more sex partners in my life if I just threw caution to the wind. It's the Tuttle Daily Podcast. Tuttle's Daily Podcast is brought to you by StitchYouUp.com. For your embroidery, screen printing, vinyl, and direct-to-garment printing needs, visit StitchYouUp.com. Stitch You Up specializes in custom caps, shirts, decals, and anything you want to personalize. Whether it's one item or large orders, they can handle any size. Unsure about what you want? Let Stitch You Up help you with your logo design. Visit StitchYouUp.com or contact them, eric at StitchYouUp.com. Stitch You Up, definitely not your grandma's embroidery. Last segment of the show. Need to wrap things up. Hope you enjoyed the interview that I did with Ashley Cheney. If you get a chance, check her out. I got to tell you, she is quite the looker. Oh, man. I Why why is it that I sound every other word I say sounds? It makes me look like a the biggest creep in the world. But what I'm saying is she's amazing. I've been checking out some of her uh, on the field reporting, man on the street type stuff, and 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 I like it. I got to tell you, it, it made me respect her a lot, lot more that she's out there uh, in the trenches asking the questions and just having to ad lib uh, every single second during the interview. So hope you guys enjoyed today's show. Uh, I, I'm going to try to do a show tomorrow. I am still at the hospital right now, and I'm still trying to figure things out. So I'll give you an update on that tomorrow. Hope you guys have a great day, and I will talk to you tomorrow. And that's the show for today. Thanks for listening to the Tuttle Daily Podcast. Hey, don't be a dickhead. Do us a favor. Like, share, and subscribe to the show. Also, check out the Tuttle category at 315live.com. The Tuttle Daily Podcast is brought to you by the Vapor Shades Hobo Fish Camp. You want some cool-ass sunglasses? Check out vaporshades.com. Also brought to you by stitchyouup.com, pocketpairclub.com. Special thanks to show intern Hannah and Charlie Alamo for their contributions. Additional imaging and production is provided by CCA Productions. Facebook.com slash CCA Productions presents. Show voiceover service is brought to you by jcvoiceover.com. That guy's got a damn sexy voice. You should hire him. Check out jcvoiceover.com. If you want to help support the show, go to paypal.me slash Tuttle on the radio. Comments? Concerns? Or do you just want to let Tuttle know he's being a dickhead? Tuttle at gmail.com. That's Tuttle with two D's at gmail.com. To follow all of Tuttle's social media, go to Tuttle.net. Thanks again for all your support, and we'll see you tomorrow on the Tuttle Daily Podcast. Hey, yo, Terry, fuck going on?